Amen. If you have your Bibles with you today, got your Bible apps, go ahead and get them out, open them up, and go with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. Is anybody ready? Say, must we be ready before you begin? It is required. Let's just say it this way. It'll go a lot better if everyone's ready. Ready on the inside. Ready with a heart of faith. Ready with an expectation for God to speak and move and do things in our midst. And I'm confident that He is ever-present with us at all times. But there is something unique and special about us gathering together in His name. And uh, in this place... When, we, when there is unity, when there is agreement, I tell you, God does outstanding things. And so, uh, good, good, good. First Peter chapter 4. I want us to all look at this together, if you can. If you, like I said, if you do have the Scriptures with you, if, if you don't, um, then you can listen best you can. First uh, Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. It reads, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore... Be serious and watchful in your prayers. Amen. Is that a good word for us? Do we have any serious, watchful prayers here? Amen. Thank you. Got a few in the house. For the rest, I would encourage you. We're about to wrap things up. It's almost finished. Your life's almost done on this planet. You might want to consider being serious. And watchful in your prayers. I don't mean serious you don't crack a smile. I don't mean serious you never have any fun. I mean, have uh, like one person said, joy is the serious business of heaven. And so, be serious in your laughter. In your, in your life. But have a serious prayer life. It'll do uh, some good if we will. Verse 8, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. What kind of love? fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. That's good news if you're, uh, if, if you're around people who have fervent love. Those who don't have fervent love, what do they want to do? They want to expose everyone's sins. They want to talk about everyone's sins. They want, to, they want to gossip and talk about how this person did that and this person did that. But when you have the fervent love of God inside of you, you're wanting to get people off the hook. You're wanting to help people out, not by driving them down further for their mistakes and their wrongdoing. Uh, verse uh, 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. <laughs> it's one thing to have someone over. <laughs> it's another thing to be nice while they're there. <laughs> it's one thing to, you know, make them a cake. <laughs> it's another thing to smile while you're doing it. Verse 10, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, we often think about people who have a great intellect or someone who is highly developed in, in musical talent, has a skill, 
or maybe they are very athletic and, and they, they play sports and do those types of things at a very high level, we'll think of those folks as being gifted. We'll say, man, that person is gifted because they do certain things so very well. But what about those of us who are, you know, moderately smart, <laughs> you know, we're musical, you know, as far as Spotify goes, uh, uh, you know, make, we can make 50% of our free throws on any day of the week <laughs> and not make the other half. Uh, what, about, what about those? Sometimes uh, people feel like they have been passed over when the gifts were, were being handed out, that it's kind of skipped them. They weren't really given much to work with. But according to this verse, I see in verse 10, each one has received a gift. And so this is every one of us. And so there are no giftless people. There are not the gifted and the giftless. There are varying gifts, but every single person has received a gift. Amen. Now, now, are some people more gifted than others? Sure, sure. We're not all equal in that regard. But are there some gifts inside of people that are untapped, unused? Are there some gifts in people that are underused? Meaning they're using a little bit, but not maximizing the, the potential. For sure, this is the case. And... Uh, we want to avoid that. No, notice here that it's not about what a person can do that they get credit for or that is of value, but it is what a person actually does with what's been invested into them, with what God has placed in, in, inside of them. So we're not just magnifying potential here, potential power, po potential results, but actual results. What, what, what really happens as a result of you and I using what's been placed inside of us. This is interesting here that good stewardship is defined as ministering your gift to another person, to one another. Good stewardship. Sometimes we think of stewardship and we think, ah, that means I tithe. That means I'm, you know, I, I do the right thing with my money. Well, Again, it's defined here, you're a good steward if you do the right thing with the gift inside of you. The gift that God has placed, if you use that for another person's benefit, then you are called a good steward. Everybody with me today? Okay. Did you notice that the gifts inside of us are not designed for our own benefit? But they are placed there for the benefit of someone else. Yeah? Uh, someone might think, well, if my gift is for someone else, then what about me? <laughs> Makes me remember an old movie. What about Bob? Does anybody ever, does anybody ever see the movie? What? If not, hurry up. He... Bob was a psychology patient, and he would often say, and it's been many years since I've seen that, but uh, he would say, what about my needs? <laughs> what about my needs? Well, here's how it works. There's a gift in someone else that is designed for you. 
God didn't call me, one of my gifts is to pastor. And God didn't put that inside of me for my benefit. He didn't put that inside of me to make my life great. In fact, I don't know that I even have access to, like, pastoral stuff for my own life. Other than while I'm preaching, you know, I'm also listening. And that kind of stuff. But I don't know that I have access to any special gift for my own life. So what about your life? I need other people. I need the gifts in other people. You need the gift in me. You need the gift in other people. And, and I need the gift in other people. Right? But my gifts are not for my benefit. They're for someone else's benefit. This is how the kingdom of God was set up. This is, this is God's choice in the matter. Okay? And, and he said, to, we minister it to one another. This is why, this is why believers, if you're a Christian, God didn't want you to be an island. He doesn't want you to be alone, off on your own, doing your own thing. You know, the idea, well, hey, I have a personal relationship with God. I don't need anybody else. You know, I'm saved, independent of any other person. I, I, I have my own relationship with God. I can get everything direct. That's a misnomer, all right? Yes, you have your own relationship with God. No, you're not going to get everything direct because God wants to use the gift in someone else to get to you. And God wants to get to the other person through the gift inside of you. It's really, He wanted us to get together. It's kind of, kind of why we see over and over in this book in various places said in different ways, God likes us to be together. He likes us to get together. He wants us to not just have a relationship with Him, but also to have relationships with our family, spiritual family. Yeah, over and over and over again we see in the book that He tells us how to treat one another, how to love and serve and forgive and, and all these things, how to be kind towards one another. He didn't want us to be separated from the body. He wanted us to be connected. This is one of the great uh, lies that's being perpetrated upon our society today and especially um, some younger generations is the lie is it's the enemy's work to keep them away from the body meaning don't be around anything organized you know these churches they're all about lie 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 and he'll throw out all these kind of things the end result is to keep people separated to keep them away from everybody else and say oh you're fine all by yourself you don't need that you don't need uh, they just want your money anyway or some something dumb right and uh, the design is to break people off of away from the body of Christ so that their gift cannot be used and so that other people's gift cannot be used for their help yeah. So we should recognize these things and say, oh, no, I caught that devil in a lie again, trying to get me to believe something false. The Lord works this way. God's blessings really do flow through people. They really do. Now, take a left turn with me and uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's not too far away. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to notice with me over here in the 12th verse. Beginning in verse 12. Let's read this passage. If you're familiar with it, good. Stay fired up. If you're not, then look at it for the first time. It reads, For as the body 
is one and has many members. Everybody say many members. Now, how many know, when he says member there, he's not talking like, about, like member of the club. Members, he's talking like parts of the body. Phal- your, what are these called? Phalanges? Uh, <laughs> uh, like body parts. He's likening it to a physical body. The people of God, the family of God, like to a physical body, has many members. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So we're very different, different parts, look different, different functions, but we're still one. One body. What He goes on to say, verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Okay, so what is he talking about here? He said we've been baptized into one body. He's not talking about water baptism. He's not talking about Holy Spirit baptism. He's talking about salvation here. So when a person receives Jesus and they're born again, what happens to them? They are placed into, by the Holy Spirit, they're placed into the body of Christ. Yeah, you're put into the body. You become a member of the body. You become a body part. Yeah? All right. See, I, I, I go into great detail on this in, like in our Bible college and stuff but when someone's baptized in water who puts them in the water? Well, a person does. When someone's baptized in the Holy Spirit who puts them in the Holy Spirit? Jesus does. When someone is baptized in the body who puts them in the body? The Holy Spirit does. Alright? So different agent different, different result they're placed in the body but we're all put in one body made to drink of one spirit verse 14 for in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What's the answer? What's the answer to that? The answer is no. Some of you are not with me on this. (laughs) Okay, let me read it again. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No, feet are still part of the body, right? Even if they don't look like a hand, they don't, don't do hand things. They do feet things, and they're part of the body. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? He's just given an answer to this. I mean, you might think eyes are wonderful. And so that's all there is. Can you see it? <laughs> Looks like some kind of, you know, sci-fi thing. Your whole body is an eye. It's awesome. No, it's not really awesome. <laughs> You're really kind of funny looking. And you can't hear anything <laughs> or go anywhere. But you do see a lot. So good on you there. He said, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? I'm thankful for hearing, seeing, and smelling. And I recognize if anyone, you know, has lost hearing or seeing or smelling, you know, they have a deficiency. They have to make up for it in other ways in their life. We value all of these. But how many know that ears, just to use one of these examples, ears will never make good eyes. And eyes will never make good ears. 
I mean, the eye could want to be an ear all day long, but I, you're never going to be a good ear. You're just really not going to succeed. So what if the, what if the ear takes seeing classes <laughs> and really tries to develop in seeing? How's that going to turn out? What, what if the ear puts sunglasses on, you know, to try to look like, look the part? You know, in faith. I'm just going to put these on, believing that I'm going to start seeing. No, Mr. Ear, uh, you're not going to be a good eye. <laughs> what, if they, what if the ear joined a seeing small group? So I really want to be a part of this seeing group. I just really value that, and I'm going to join the group. What if you? What if the ear surrounds itself with seeing friends, and everyone ear associates with are seers? What's going to be the end result? That ear is going to make a very bad eye. No matter how much Mister Ear tries, he will never be a good eye. Everybody okay? Now, I want you to think about the culture we live in for a moment, the society we live in. It's very cruel and often, uh, you know, patronizes people, but it puts on the pretend of compassion, the pretend of love, but it really is not very nice because, you know, if the ear wants to be an eye, you're not really very nice to Mr. Ear if you say, oh, yeah, you ought to go for it, join the eye class. I think you can do it. I believe in you. How many know that's not very nice to the ear? Really, if someone truly cares about the ear, you should say, you know, you make a good ear. I think you could develop and become an awesome ear. I think you, you are needed. We need ears. Right? That would really be nice, be kind. Everybody okay? See, our culture today, what they want to do is tell anyone and everyone, you can be whatever you want to be. Or maybe even whatever you feel like today. And I just want to encourage you. I accept you as an I. <laughs> but it's not really kind to the ear if they're not an I and they'll never be a good I. Everybody okay? I could say this a different way and your gears are turning. Is he, is he going there? Let me, let me say it this way. I would never make a good woman. <laughs> even if I wanted to be. Even if I, even if I, I, I long to be. Even if I, I just wouldn't be a good woman. I'm telling you, I, it would be quite dis, disappointing. <laughs> I can tell you my wife would never make a good man. She makes an awesome woman. But she would never be a good man. And, and if, if she wanted to be, I really I, I wouldn't be kind to her by saying, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. No, I'm just setting her up for a life of failure. I'm setting her up for a life of misery and disappointment. So I have to tell her. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't have to tell her. <laughs> it, it works this way in careers. It works this way uh, with different things that people do with their life. Uh, sometimes a person is encouraged to take a certain career path, do something with their life. And sometimes it's just wrong. It's just wrong for them. It's like some people are awesome at that, but not you. You would be awesome over here. You would be a very good 
something else. But there are some things that I couldn't do well in life. I would be frustrated. I would be dissatisfied. I wouldn't be. I'd work harder than everybody else and get half the results, if any results. Really, it is a a value. What can I say? It's a very valuable thing for an individual to find out. I'm an ear. I'm an eye. I'm a toe. If I can identify that in my own life, that is of great, great value to be who God says we are to be. Amen. Let's keep going here. Verse 18. Uh, But now God has set the members, each one of them. Everybody say, God has set. This is important for us to know about ourselves, about others. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He pleased. Now, now see, see the opposite of that. God sets people as He pleased, not God sets people because He's not pleased. Like, I like you, I'm going to make you something, I'm going to put gifts in you, and well, let's just put her over here. <laughs> Because I don't really like her. No, no, no. So, in other words, not gifted. No, no, no. God sets people because it does please Him. Not, I don't like you, so we're not going to make you like on a facial feature. We're going to keep you in a shoe. (laughs) So no one sees you. No. Whatever we find ourselves uh, gifted with, it is because God smiles at that. And he's pleased with the person when they function that way. Amen. And uh, he goes on to say, verse 19, And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Seems to be a theme in what he's saying. Many, one, many, one, many, one. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, Much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be um, less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body. This is what He did having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so this is God's design. And and I want you to think about it again. Uh, if a person is a toe, for example, do, the, do toes get ignored? Well, has anybody ever stubbed their toe? In the night, bam! How many know when, you're, when your toe gets stubbed or stepped on or something, the rest of the body doesn't go, ah, shut up, toe. There you go again, trying to get attention. you're insignificant you don't matter no in fact the rest of the body all pays attention doesn't it when the toe gets hurt the other parts of the body get activated yeah 
Sometimes the arms go into motion. <laughs> For sure, the facial expressions get involved. Often the gift of the vocal gifts uh, get energized and they start speaking up, right? It's like all the parts chime in because Mr. Toe got hurt. <laughs> yeah. This is something that we should understand is God's design. He wanted us to function that this way together. It's, a, it's His idea. We are not accidents of nature. You are not just a random compilation of cells. Jeremiah said you were formed by God in your mother's womb. There is very... There is intention with your life and the graces of God that have been placed inside of you. They're not accidents. It's not just by chance. God is personally involved in every one of us and so He puts inside of us graces. You understand what I mean by that? Uh, grace, not salvation grace, saving grace is wonderful. These are graces that enable you to do something. It's parts of God's character, parts of His ability that He puts in different people and they are to represent Him in this life to others. There's a God thing in you. And when you see it and you use it, God then gets involved in other people's lives. Yeah? What, what's most needed for all of us is to have a knowledge of God's gift, or we could say of God's grace in our lives, so that we can function in our place. If I don't know my grace, I'll be out of my place and fall on my face. But if I will, if I will recognize there is a God aspect to who I am, with, listen, without even trying. Some things need to be developed, some things need to be utilized, but there are some parts of you that, are, that have God written all over it, and you don't even have to try to get it. You don't have to convince Him to give it to you. He just did. He put it in you. It's a part of your makeup as a child of God, as a, as, as a human being. And so I want to encourage you today. I, I don't have much time, and, and I'm going to come back unless I'm on the beach or something. Uh, let's just pause for a moment. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I want to encourage you not to ignore the God elements of your life and to be really, really in pursuit, seeking after to know what is of God that's in me? What is? What's a lie? What have I, been, what have I believed about myself that's false? What can I acknowledge and see? Man, that's a God thing in me. That's a gift of God in me. How can I utilize that to the full? How can I let God be glorified in and through my existence here on the planet? What are other people... What, uh, what people hang in the balance based upon the utilization or the negligence of my gift? What is the potential if I fully function in what God designed me to be? Amen. I tell you, it's good for every one of us. 
It's absolutely a necessary thing. There is grace for your place. And I tell you, great fulfillment comes to all of us when we stop trying to be something that we're not. We can recognize who we really are. Acknowledging that there are gifts and abilities in other people. And you don't have to be that. Really takes the pressure off. There are times when people think, if I get really close to God, I get really close to the Lord, then they, their mind goes to another person that also has a good relationship with God. And they think, then I'm going to have to be like that person. I'm going to have to do what they do. Who says? That's not necessarily the case. In fact, there have been some, it's a misnomer, but some thought, if I'm really close to God, if I give Him all my heart and all my life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have to be a pastor or something. Well, most people are not. Most people are functioning in their place. They're enjoying God's grace in their life, and they're not a pastor. They're not supposed to be. In fact, if they tried to be, it would be not good. Not good for them. They'd struggle their whole, the whole time. And it wouldn't be any good for anyone else either. It's like, oh, no, 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 that's not your call. <laughs> uh, right? But when we can find what God has created us to be, oh, what amazing things. What, what an amazing place to be in, in our lives. Amen? Amen. I mean, some people, it, it's like in natural um, business, you know, you have the English grammar person running the numbers. <laughs> and you got the mathematician, the person who's great with numbers, and they're doing the spell check. And, <laughs> and it's like, no, let's switch roles here. Everyone get in your spot. And I tell you, it is that way in the kingdom. If I can find my lane and stay in it, if I can function by my unction, if I can, if I can stay in the place of my grace, everyone around me is happier. Your, your spouse, if you're married, is happier. Your kids, if you have them, are happier. Your friends are ha- Everything works better. And, uh, and, and, and think about it, if our church functioned this way, if everybody saw, you know, this is my spot, this is my lane, this is my area, this is my gift, Think about if all the church could function that way. What a mighty moving force we would be. I tell you what, and and there wouldn't be people frustrated. Wouldn't be people annoyed half the time. Here's your cake. Mm. (laughs) But there'd be a great joy in us living for God. Amen. All right, again, I'm I'm just starting off. Here's my new series, by the way. Ready for it? It's called Gifted. And that, this was part one. And I'm going to pick up there whenever you see me. <laughs> I think next Sunday. <laughs> Amen.